Oh my god, somebody's screaming. Can you hear that? No. What is it on your end? Yeah, like a blood curdling scream. No. Oh, it's a baby. It's a baby. It's not my it's baby. Okay, then there you go. All right. So yeah, um, I guess I'll start it off with some uh, semblance of an intro. This is almost good. We're going to be talking about some movies with another guest host, one that I might try to uh, make a sweet talk him into being a key cast member eventually. Tony McMillan is with us. He did our logo. Uh, so we've always meant to have him on here. He did the almost good logo and been reading his stuff for a long time. Um, I just saw, I was messaging you, Tony, and I saw you on Facebook posting what looked to be actual pornography what was what did i just see that's correct yeah it's it's smut it's but i figure if i do in watercolor and she's wearing like a really interesting outfit it's sort of you know highfalutin but it's 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 a naked lady (laughs) okay that's what i thought i was briefly friends with a bunch of italians um i mean sorry to hear that (laughs) i mean on facebook okay oh thank god somebody was gonna do an anthology of Italian translate a bunch of noir into these Italian anthologies and it never really happened. But for a minute, there was all these like guest lecturing. It seemed like it was going to happen and it never really happened, but there would be Zoom meetings with these Italian people in a room and they'd be like, your stuff is great. And it was really awesome, but it never turned into a book. But for a while, I was friends with them on Facebook and my nudity level, as far as in my feed, skyrocketed. Like, yeah, you know, I'm only a quarter Italian, but I do have a, a, a fellow artist who I worked with in the past for comic books who's, who's, um, he's an Italian guy who actually lives in Spain and yeah, his comics are full like so much violence so much sex and it's, it's great because you know I'm sort of an American who's a little uptight I you know I just I did, did some pornography where I'm like totally cool graphic violence with sex I'm like does it need to be there and I'm like you know at the same time I'll draw someone's brains flying out of their nose if someone gets sh- shotgun and have no qualms so it's pretty hypocritical so my um my true Italian uh friends have liberated me and that's why I'm doing smut now online okay. that makes sense that makes sense like and all these social media feeds, I see all sorts of violence, but I rarely see nudity. I don't know if it's this, things are getting a little weird as far as, uh, a little prudish maybe as far as nudity, but like you said, it's the graphic violence has never been reduced in any way. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was. I thought maybe, I immediately thought, he's probably Italian. I don't know if I've ever asked you that, but your name's Tony. So you're well, probably, it, you gotta be Well, right. yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah, my recent uh, story about being Italian, a quarter Italian, is I went to the dentist, and the dentist was a very older lady, and first thing she goes, you have an Irish and Italian name. Why is that? I was like, um, I, I am Irish and Italian. And she's like, God bless you. And I was like, what, is, what am I to do with that? I, I don't, I, I don't it's know. Ridiculous, but it, she kind of has a point, like quarter Italian. So you only sort of like the pizza? You only... <laughs> um i i love the, i love the pizza um i like but when it comes to like the noodles you know i'm really basic man like i like spaghetti i like carbonara but then it gets kind of kind of dicey for me so i'm i'm not that i'm not much of a a, a symbol for my people um it's it's not i love garlic bread but i guess we all do i mean what's nothing special garlic basically bread. my 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 experience of being a quarter italian is that uh anyone who's a little italian uh white people will look for any excuse to be interesting and they'll try to really play it up and it's like dude it's no big deal it's, it's nothing's changed nothing's different yeah. i did briefly have a neck chain but that was just because i thought it was cool looking and you know I, I i um i corrected that i no longer wear a neck chain i actually asked amy recently i said uh from the other room i said hey do you think can anybody pull off a shark tooth necklace <laughs> and she said no absolutely not 
I was thinking about getting one because I we moved out to California and I thought that that'd be kind of cool. Like maybe it wouldn't look terrible, <laughs> but uh, you're laughing because it would look terrible. Nobody no, I'm, I'm, no, quite the opposite. You, you're such a fetching guy that you could probably pull it off. But I just think no, none of the rest of us. I mean, it's funny as, as a little kid, um, I got a shark tooth and I thought I was gonna make a necklace out of it, but I was never good at putting um like much thought into what I wore and accessories and stuff. So like I never had pierced ears because I just this is too much. It's too much yeah, thought. I've seen you. I've seen you wear a jumpsuit and pull it off. That's there's something. There's a different look. Like I think if you're a certain, I don't know, you could wear a jumpsuit and jewelry, and you might be able to get away with it. I would never be able to get away with it. I would look you like know, a cra- I'd look like a crazy person. I think you're right. But I look I'm like still... a henchman. I would look like a henchman, whereas you would look like you were in a band. I think you're in a, you're like a mini boss. I feel like you know, like in the Ninja Turtles movie, you're that bald <laughs> dude who like is Shredder's number two guy. Yeah, dude. I was like, loved, do you remember the Color of Money where Tom Cruise <laughs> had those? That black t-shirt with his name on it? Yeah. Yeah, it said just said Vince and uh, Paul Newman was like, hey, Vince, keep the shirt. It's a nice touch. So <laughs> I've always wanted to pull off that sort of a goon behind the goon black T-shirt Dave on it. Hey, your, think- your life, your life's only half over, probably. So you have a whole, you know, <laughs> bunch of chapters to fill up. I want to be the guy from FX who was in Cocktail with Tom Cruise. What was that dude's name? Oh, shit. The guy that did the Brian, Brian something. Brian. He's, he's Australian, right? Yes. He kind of is like Liam Neeson, like the dollar store Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Brian, uh, Brian Jones, Brian something. Yeah, that sounds right. He I always thought he seemed, seemed super cool. Like I, I was like, he's a good vibe. Like I, I he good eyebrows. I don't really have those. I always kind of envied that. But um, yeah, man. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I just watched FX recently and FX was heavily influential in the climax of Head Cleaner. I was so into the idea of the beginning of that. FX is one of those almost good movies where it seems like it's 100%. When you talk about it, it sounds amazing. And then you watch it, you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's well, not as amazing as the concept. If anybody hasn't seen it, they go to this uh, FX uh, guy, and this is right in your wheelhouse, which is going yeah. to be talking about your book here in a second. But they go to this <laughs> FX guy and say, can you stage an assassination? This guy's in witness protection, but it's too dangerous. If you could kill him in a public fashion, that'd be great. And it's sort of believable, but it's sort of ridiculous. The techniques they use, they seem to be making a sculpt of his head because <laughs> they're going to shoot him in his head. But then when you see him, it's and the dad from Dirty Dancing is the mob so it's hilarious yeah so he's uh speaking of eyebrows oh my god yeah he clearly isn't a, the sculpted head they made it's just him and at the last minute they say to the fx guy the main guy i want to say his name's rusty or something in that movie but i don't mm. like hey rusty why don't you do it because you know it better than everybody and then while he's doing all getting the effects ready that you could tell that these supposed government guys are messing with the with the weapon and so you start thinking oh my god this is amazing they make him think that he's faking in this assassination, but they're going to put a real gun in his hand. Right. And he set up these effects to go off. Are they going to convince him that he didn't actually kill the guy, but he's going to actually kill him in a public way? You know, you start overthinking it. You're like, this is really incredible. There's so many layers of, <laughs> there's so many layers of this facade, but it not, it isn't really accurate to what happens. It's he, I mean, that's sort of what happens, but it's not, I don't know. Something about that just is not as satisfying as it sounds. That yeah. build up, you think you're ready for an incredible postmodern masterpiece but it's not quite that. I don't know. It, it could be like if Fincher remade that now, it could be a real head fuck and you yeah. can play with levels. Of, yeah, it, but you're like, right, it's it's a quintessential almost good. Like I think of Highlander all the time when people talk about stuff that's like, 
like could be remade. I'm like, yeah, the premise is actually great. And I, I like Highlander just fine. But, you know, you could make that a classic, like a real classic yeah, to me. I think it's, I honestly think it's kind of a classic. I think it only in the last 10 minutes when they run out of money <laughs> and there's, and they start using these cartoon monster faces when he, when he wins the prize, it, it, right. it jumps the shark right there. He, they should have had him never win the prize because when he wins it, he just says, well, I can sort of hear everybody's voice. That was my attempt at a French accent. I can sort of hear everybody's <laughs> voices. Maybe that's my job to bring everybody together. And it's just not not satisfying for what you just went through. It's just not a good ending. But I, I just feel like the I don't remember the director's name, but I just feel like if someone like if James Cameron got that script, it would be like the action would be this like 10 out of 10. And like the scenes, the sequences would be a little more, I don't know, like adrenaline pumping. And there are, there are some cool scenes. I still like, love it. It's Russell Mulcahy's the guy. He did. Okay, um, he did that giant uh, Razorback pig movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing, that thing, that look, looks great. Like the cinematography in that thing. Yeah, it's great. That one's that's an actual solid horror movie. And um, he did Ricochet, which is bonkers, a bonkers movie. Um, Wait, is that Van, Van Damme? No, it's uh, Denzel Washington and oh, yeah, John, yeah, yeah. John Lithgow. Yeah, is it when Denzel Washington like he takes his clothes off uh, to get to kind of um, distract? <laughs> it makes no the guy. sense. Yeah, yeah. The, no... the guy's a gun to someone's head like a hostage, and he's like, "I'm just take my clothes." off and it kind of works yeah it makes no sense but it makes sense that it would make a villain so mad that it would create this unstoppable revenge machine that he's right. so humiliated that that worked if anybody uh, hasn't seen ricochet sean lithgow is holding someone hostage here comes denzel washington and he just starts taking off all his clothes and then but he's got he's like see i'm showing you i'm not armed but he's got a gun is it in his boots in the, in, i don't know and then he, the back of his then underwear he, or something yeah. yeah and unnecessarily he shoots him from behind his back he does this little <laughs> stupid little move that makes no sense and they, so they keep showing this on the news and it's sort of before the viral stuff was right happening. it's like that goes viral to where the the criminal is in prison he's like i will destroy this man he's made me look so foolish uh, yeah so he's, he, he might as well just, like dental minds his pants him. He, he, he's a laughing stock it's yeah that's i love lithgow's a villain like anytime he's a bad guy he's always fucking great yeah, he's good he's, in, he's, no matter what he's a scary guy but yeah as far oh, yeah. as i'm um, talking about uh uh special effects thing i don't want to lose sight of your book see i was going back and forth on like which ones to talk about i was going to ask you what is your what is your biggest book what would you say is is it augmented fourth would you say that's your biggest one in comics and novels or just books i would say both your body of work no, you're, it's you're, it's Attaboy. I think Attaboy is the biggest one. Really? And then yeah, that's the yeah. Attaboy is um there there are people who like just know me as the Attaboy guy, and that's fine because actually uh I'm not gonna uh reveal too much, but I, I got actually got Attaboy, I got a publishing deal, so it's gonna come out again through the mainstream um to an undisclosed publisher so that'll be happening next year so attaboy will yeah that's going to be probably people's gateway drug yeah i still have my copy of it it's gigantic but still yeah it's the one still being protected so you just did a Mm. you just did a I can't talk about it yet. You just did one of those. Yeah, man. Dropped it real quick. You just did the, I got some good news, but I can't talk about it yet. Well, I was just talking about and this. And I, I, I know your, <laughs> I know your feelings about that. I listened to the podcast, you know, but I was like, I have to do it. Because my thing was all couch and I lost my job six months ago. Then I got a book deal. So it was, like, it was a real like tearjerker, like, 
things are going to be okay now. And things got real bad <laughs> right after I put that post, but it's okay. Well, I was complaining about this to Amy recently. Okay. It said my internet connection is unstable. It might be just me. I am un- <laughs> I am unstable, especially with this topic. I was talking to Amy and said, why do I hate it when people don't tell me all the news on why do I still get annoyed by this? And she, she was like, well, why don't you just go through a, a very logical list of reasonable reasons that people would do that? They would do it if there was some organization that wants to make the announcement. They would do it if, like, let's say in her mind, she said, let's say I apply for a grant. I don't want to know I didn't get it because Janet announced that she did. So that's a reasonable reason. But, um, you know, the illusion of importance that makes people say that. I'm not saying you did that. I'm saying you didn't do that. (laughs) But on... No, on, on social I, I, media it's like the chicken or the egg like does the thing become important by saying you can't say it or you can't say it because it's important i just get so caught up in that like as someone who's used to being online doesn't feel like it's real until you share or i'm sorry correction until you get to not share your thing <laughs> It doesn't feel real unless you unless you don't share it because you live in that. I'm not saying you do that either. You're totally exempt from all these criticisms because in my mind, you're actually here. It's okay. I'm actually, I'm like like driving into each one. I'm like, that's me. That's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, no. um, but yeah, those, no, those are actually good reasons. But the problem is like so many people that do it are just the fucking worst. You know, it's like, how is it possible that all the people who get new important enough to delay announcement announcements, how is it possible that they're all the worst people? <laughs> well, it's funny. I've noticed you have a, a bunch of like, you know, uh, what do you call them? Uh, bugaboos online, right? But I do too. And mine aren't exactly like yours. Although I have a feeling you're like, yeah, I hate that too. My biggest one is when someone goes, just so you know, everybody, I'm taking a break from Facebook. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, who gives a just don't fucking log in just, what are you doing yeah that's the flounce that's the flounce and i'm like i'll see you in two weeks it's fine i don't give a <laughs> I'll shit see, i'll see you when you have a book coming out right <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see you when you have an announcement to make what's well, funny i will say for me though um you know i've seen all these vague book posts about book announcements and i was a little like irked but i was also mostly just like where the fuck's my time so i it finally happened i was like thank god i can piss off keaton i can make this dream happen <laughs> And here we are. And it, it all worked out. But yeah, it's, it's ba- but you're right. It's basically, it's like, you know, Amy has totally called it. It's like the, the publisher's like, hey, you can say like, you can basically, I think they said you could vague book post, but don't don't name us yet because we have to get the promotional machine. I'm like, that's cool, man. I'm glad that you guys yeah, have no, makes sense. a plan. Like, I, that sounds great to me. Like, tell me whatever you want me to do. So that like, makes sense. And this yeah. window, this window behind the scenes of your success, maybe <laughs> that will help. Maybe that, that will help me get through it. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> but it, I you think, know, honestly, I wouldn't have guessed Adam boy i liked it but well, I mean, I, I, that I, just means i think the other ones are got to come right at like i think serious creatures people that don't know his uh his series serious creatures about a young young man coming of age in the special effects industry i just think that that's your that's the culmination of everything that you do well and i think that that's where it all comes together and if maybe attaboy can be the gateway to that getting a wider audience because the hook there is just incredible. You get to, for anybody that doesn't know about this, you should look up Serious Creatures. It's a series of comic books, graphic novels, whatever you want to call them. And the, the kid growing up in the FX industry, he's working on um, kind of like classic films that we know are his, Tony's version of these films. He's got that loophole there, but he's also got this great loophole where he can let loose with this kind of phantasmagoric art as special effects, but also treat them as real so they can feed the narrative. And, and even though it leaves a real world behind in those splash art moments like it never really does like it's a very grounded story and i think that that's unusual for you is to have it yeah. so grounded in reality and it's so i don't know it's, it's more elegant of the weaving of those two things that i'm giving it credit for but i highly recommend highly recommend 
Thanks, man. And I think I love the way you said it. You're you're totally right. Like I was like, well, I'm going to do a, a basically a drama. There's there's some comedy and stuff like that, but. Um, I was like, well, it's a comic book and I, I don't want to just draw people talking. And I was like, it's about special effects. I should have special effects in the book. And so that's kind of what opened up um, me wanting to do the book. And I've also, you know, doing prose, I always kind of struggle with how to do um, surreal sequences in a prose novel that kind of um, convey the feeling I really want to try to um, create for the reader. And, and you know, it's, it's a struggle because, you know, even comic books, I'm still giving it to the reader to interpret. But uh, a prose novel, there, there are no no visuals. So it's um it's really up to, it's it's really up in the air what if it works or not. So Serious you, Creatures, is, go ahead. I was going to say you did that with, uh, as far as walking that tightrope with nefarious twit, you had you just yeah. put your artwork in it because it was as far as uh, getting both of those feelings. You had you've got like this tightrope between this whimsical and threatening thing with that one in particular. But the uh, but you have your artwork in it already. Did you eventually did the artwork take over your narratives? Uh, kind of. So what, I think what happened was like you know um, I've always loved comic books. I always loved drawing. I um, like, like like a lot of people. You know I had um, I had I think I had a, a taste. I had I had a, a certain, you know, I wanted things to be really good and my my ability was not up to my taste. And so I kind of pushed back. I was like, I can't do a comic book yet. I can't, I can't do a comic book. So I was like, I really want to draw. And in my novel, I was like, oh, I find a cool um, novel, no pun intended, way to insert my drawings into the novel, but it won't be a comic book. And I kept doing that. And then eventually I was like, you know, man, like I got, I think I just got to try this comic book thing. And then I realized this is, it was a bit of more of a natural fit. I still might uh, write some prose novels in the future, but right now um, I feel, it just feels real like a real, it feels like a natural fit doing comic yeah. books. I, I feel like I um I found what I'm not that I'm great. It's sort of like that Cobain quote. Uh, was he say like I'm best at what I I'm worst at what I do best. And for this gift, <laughs> I feel blessed. I'm like yeah, that's that's about right. I but think um, you found this. It's definitely your sweet spot. It's kind of the opposite transformation that you see in in the Crumb documentary. Have you seen the Crumb documentary? Oh yeah, of course. I you love remember that's when one, the that's great. Do you remember when the brother <laughs> Crumb's famous, but the brother the brother also was drawing comics, but the word balloon started to take over each cell yeah so that eventually it was it was just the tops of these heads and these word balloons were gigantic and just because he just wanted to keep talking and what's funny that brother's style that that was fascinating his weird like everyone looks like they're made almost of like deflated tires and i was like that's (laughs) such a yeah that that documentary is heartbreaking and and i think terry zwigoff did it um yeah i love that thing that i watching that when i was like 17 and um just being like i knew crumb as a figure and i've read i had seen some of his comics but that was my real introduction to him yeah it was great it's interesting how but you know what i mean like he yeah his his artwork got crushed within the the panels of his comics until it was just words whereas your prose got shoved off the page sort of as the the pictures took over no that's kind of interesting because if somebody would have asked me what your biggest book was i wouldn't have said attaboy and i wouldn't have said lumen or even serious creatures although i think that's your best i i would have guessed thanks man it was augmented fourth because that i think i saw that one around for a while where i saw it seemed to have a little more traction because you dropped three books on us a couple years ago your yeah your bleeding tree trilogy which i haven't read but you just you just like dropped three books and said bye <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of those things where I, if i ever get like a bigger audience i really hope they go back and discover those books i i, I um i think that's really good work but it kind of came and went you know i, I self-published those and we'll see but i i, I that those books i have been working on even before nefarious twit in some form those those are really long gestating books i think are good but it's funny my my comic book audience mostly didn't jump over to that but when it comes to um why i think attaboy is um my biggest people 
definitely associating associate me with it, but also just sales. Like I, I can see the sales, and I, I'm I've sold more out of boys than anything else. Hmm. Yeah, wow. and it, I'll, I'll admit, fourth, I love that book. That book, um, that's when I figured out how to write a novel. I think, like in in a weird way, I think, uh, and and you know, Ross published it. I, I really appreciate all his input, and um, Garrett Cook also helped with that book. It, it was, that was really uh, a great experience. Um, that's, that's but basically, it's funny. My my big thing, all my big revelations as a creator, are always so fucking simple but it takes me forever to figure it out i was like oh um you know if you do first person sometimes that's better for the book the story like try try different you know attack and i was like oh i'm i'm i feel really comfortable in first person and i know it's kind of easy but uh i used i used to avoid it i think i was afraid of being chuck polinick but after you know 15 years i was like i'll just try to be chuck polinick and it worked out fine (laughs) yeah what i remember vividly about that book the the i remember the plot which is heavy metal band wakes up in a hotel that they've been trashing and they're, they're snowed in and there's freaky ass monsters running them up. yeah so i think the um spinal tap meets the thing is what i called it at the time but what i remember about it why i wouldn't have guessed that it was first person was because the monster descriptions were you, like you really dug in on some graphic detail as far as what they looked like which i wouldn't have guessed coming from a first person narrator because I, I remember something about like a glassy honeycomb torso yeah. or critter like some crazy shit um so because that would make i guess you would have to assume that whoever's narrating that is as good a writer as the author which it would be kind of well, remarkable tr- but i guess they're artists they're well musicians. the trick is this guy is the bassist and the lyricist ah so he's got you get a little bit yeah what worked for me actually the whole thing was, I was like oh I'm, I, I like this is like um the character main character codger burton he is a brummy he has a brummy accent he has a really colorful way of speaking and i was like oh if i can it's like being an actor if i could be just be this character the whole book it, it has legs all of a sudden it, it has a rhythm it has like so I was like, okay, that that really helps me because um uh, before I was sort I kept trying to make my narrator have a lot of flavor and that, that's fine but this is a little more uh, natural and easy and um then with the uh, the Bleeding Tree trilogy I, I the same thing where the narrator of those books it's first person as well uh, she has a really colorful weird way of speaking it's sort of like Mark Twain meets Clockwork Orange speak it's real it's real crazy mm. um and I was like okay this this helps to, it's basically me getting to um uh it's like an actor putting on a, an eye patch or something it's just something it's, it kind of helps me get into the mood all of a sudden. Well, that seems to be your thing is you got the comic books and the art thing, but you've also music seems to be a big part of what you're doing. There's always some sort of musical connection or um, and I remember, didn't you have a you had a column you were writing where you you kind of went after Bob Seger a lot. I remember laughing (laughs) Bob Seger jokes. Bob Seger writes the songs that makes your dad cry or some shit or. Yeah. And then it was Bob Seger is a werewolf. Yeah, it's all involved in the same thing. Yeah, it was definitively proven that Bob Seger is a werewolf. Like (laughs) the night moves, man. It's all yeah. silver bullet bands. Oh, there. <laughs> it's all it, right there. Yeah, it's right. It's right. There. I mean, like, you know, I, I like to think that I um opened a lot of people's eyes to uh the truth. <laughs> he looks like of... a fucking werewolf. That dude looks like a werewolf. He looks like yeah. the werewolf, he looks like Teen Wolf, where he's got the, the beard meets the <laughs> beard meets the hair, meets the sideburns. Yeah, but like Teen Wolf's dad. Like he uses some glasses on him. That's what he's got. He's got the weird koala bear thing. Yeah. I've also I've got to say though, I was listening to Bob Seeger a few um like a few weeks ago, uh Live Bullet fucking rules that album it's my mom's stuff i I, i've always loved seer like live bullet that's a solid live album it's hard to do that's some songs in that are better than the studio and that's that's my the highest praise for a live album main street was a staple on our radio from i assume was from live bullet uh no i think it's i think that's after the fact man i think uh turn the page is uh, oh turn the page that's the one i meant yeah 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 that's the one that's like the that's like the definitive version is the live bullet version because it's just so good that's isn't that the song 
where if you the lyrics are suggesting that he has long hair, so people in this <laughs> diner want to kick his ass. Yeah, so yeah. Just the same old cliches. Is that a woman or a man? Because he's got long hair. And then when Metallica did the cover, I guess that wasn't cool enough for him. So they made it into some this really lame, like philosophical statement where they're like, is it woman or is it man? <laughs> and even worse is in Hetfield adds, um, because he because in Seeker's version goes, you know, you don't dare make a stand. He's like, you know what? He chickened out because he don't get his ass kicked. And I think that's really right. cool. Like, and Hetfield goes, make your stand. <laughs> I was like, dude, like the whole point of the song, he's being vulnerable. He's revealing that, yeah, he's a coward because sometimes you're a fucking coward in life because you, you, it's real, man. I was like, Hetfield, get your shit together, dude. Just calm the fuck down. I know. Why is he got to be such a tough guy? Isn't he the one? I was going to say he introduced nursery rhymes into rock songs, but that was probably corn. <laughs> Us little baby, don't say a word. Dude, my memory, I, 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 you know, my memory of Inner Sandman is I used to go in Tucson. I used to live in Tucson, Arizona. There's this roller rink. And uh, when Inner Sandman, they play that, this old Mexican dude was doing these amazing, like, flips and shit to it and this really great <laughs> dance moves. And I was like, this is his shit. I've been here three times. Every time the song comes on, he comes out. I was like, this is amazing. I don't know why this guy loves the song this much, but it's good. <laughs> have you been listening to any new music? You know what? I actually yeah. have. What's, I, what, give me some tips because I'm I'm stuck in the even though I love it, I've been listening to a lot of UFO. Yeah. And, yeah. and ELO, which I came to late in life, if you what's can believe the, it. What's like, the I ELO mean, like uh the pre the predecessor band, the guy who's in it was it's pretty good too. Um oh god, they have a song on Boogie Nights. It's really awesome. Oh, shit. The guy, who, the guy who we split up with, who Jeff Lynn split with? Are you talking about UFO or ELO? I'm talking about ELO. Oh, see, I get confused. So, like, it's it's yeah. weird that UFO has nothing to do with UFOs, but ELO, <laughs> so ELO is ELO fucking loves UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> so ELO is on the Boogie Night soundtrack. They also have Jeff Lynn, uh, his earlier uh, group, which um, has this really great sort of more proggy song. Okay. Uh, I, I looked it up because I was like watching Boogie Nights again, and I was like, oh man, this song rules. What's this? I, and anyways, it's good. So uh, usually, I'm like you. I'm 41. Almost all the new bands I like to sound like 70s rock. So, and this band is not exactly an exception, but there's this band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I've have you heard, heard of these guys? I've, I okay. have some. So, what's cool about this band? So, I thought they're just a typical stoner rock band. They have that, but they basically, I think within 10 years, have released 26 studio albums. Oh my God. And there are some fucking gems. There are some okay albums. And there's a couple duds, but mostly they're always good and interesting. And they cover most genres of rock you can you can think about um i would say start with nonagon affinity or i'm in your mind fuzz i don't know it's kind of the fact that they have so many albums is kind of daunting like it's yeah it's kind of it's it's upsetting like i don't want to do it now because that's too (laughs) much stuff if you would have said they had two albums and then their van got hit and they all died i would go by it immediately (laughs) but there's so i assume there's just still cranking out albums oh yeah and and they like i said almost any subgenre of rock but i'm telling you if you try nonagon infinity it's really solid especially if you're like you know they're australian they i don't know they sound like if Hawkwind and queens of the stone age and i don't know i mean you're you're selling it but then you said they have 26 albums (laughs) it's like if like if an author dropped three like dropped a trilogy and said bye (laughs) son of a bitch no the thing is okay i'll give you this though most albums are like nine songs which is i think more and more as i get older i'm like thank god because it's really rare to have an album with like 16 14 songs and they're all solid and a lot of the good rock records from the 70s i'm like oh you know what 10 songs nine songs eight songs 
Zeppelin that's Four. A, that's a great song. Yeah, because I when I started listening to music it was right around when everybody was pushing the limits of a CD to right. how many minutes can fit on a CD, like a full hour, right, or more than that. Yeah, it took seventy two minutes. Seventy two minutes. So I would buy. I'm like, ooh, this looks neat, and twenty five songs, <laughs> and <laughs> somehow that became normal for me. And but when you get one, you're right. When you get one that's like a ten tight songs, or here's seven songs, or if you buy a Yes album, it's like here's two songs. But it's right. there's still there's uh, there is some just like when a movie's a little bit shorter, you just you're always happy when it's over, right? You're always happy. You know it's curated, right? You know that, and mostly yeah. that's a good thing. And especially for rock records, I'm like, you know what? If you have eight or nine songs and like two are a little long, that's perfect, man. You got a you're, jammer. I have you know? a question for you as a music guy. I'm listening to some questionable music lately. I'm listening to <laughs> Asia a lot. Oh shit! They have about one and a half good albums, but it's <laughs> kind of like your uh, Jesus Wizard and the Gizzards or whatever. They have about twenty some fucking albums and they're all worse than the last. And I still, I'm just sort of fascinated by them. And I thought I'd heard them all. And I came across, I was listening to the song, The Hunter, which was a marginal hit of theirs, which I'm kind of fascinated by the story behind it. I, my theory I is that it's based on the ghost in the darkness, but I can't prove that right oh, now. Cool. But anyway, I, <laughs> right I now. looked it up. <laughs> you're going to go out there and get the, the proof? Yeah, I, I have to I have to do some legwork. But I was reading somewhere and they're like, you know, The Hunter, which was a, that's from GTR, actually. That's the, the spinoff band. Man, right the oh yeah yeah the, yeah that everybody detests so gtr does, does the hunter but then asia did a version of it and i thought if i heard i knew gtr's pretty well but i thought i wonder you know because sometimes somebody will put a new song on a greatest hits and it'll be the it'll be a hit right so asia anthology has this hunter song on it i thought maybe that was a sneaky hit that i'll recognize it if i heard it things get really weird I, I listened to it and this it's a greatest hits this asia anthology but they've recorded all the songs over again with a different singer oh we the music seems Seems to be exactly the same because I would recognize if I, I know the first Asia album so well that you couldn't sneak a, a remake past me. Right. Well, but the vocals are different. It's the weirdest fucking thing. So they're trying to screw the guy out of royalties or something, right? Oh, like okay. So that's what's happening there. But that's not even the question I have for you. The question is when I was analyzing my love for Asia and I realized that every one of their song titles is, a, is just a cliched phrase. Like if you were to, mm -hmm. I mean, think about the hit, heat of the moment, only time will tell. Right. Um, uh -huh. so they're not even. They don't even go to that effort. Uh, don't Cry was one. Wildest Dreams, typical Asia titles. Yeah. Uh, so my question is, is that is that a flex to just use, to just say, I can make a song out of anything. I could take any phrase you give me and I can make a sweet song. Because all the songs on the first album, I think are unironically great. Or, right. is, that, no. is, it, or is that laziness? Is that no, no, I kind of think uh, it's neither. I think it's actually a, just a smart writing thing that um, like when I was younger and I write songs, I, I was really into like, oh, find a really cool, weird, uh, esoteric or big word. And that's the title of the song. And I realized more and more like the coolest thing you do with writing is take um, to me, take two uh, mundane words and and put them together in a combination or or a few uh, ordinary words and put them together and it makes something that sounds interesting and weird. And so okay. I think what they're doing is not exactly that, but what they're doing is basically um, these are phrases we all know. These are things we know. And so it kind of gives a, a listener maybe a little bit of a hint what the song might be about. Or I just think that's a, that's a really nice way to reach across to a lot of different people. Like, um, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I only time I listen to like new country is when I'm getting my car fixed or something. And I was listening to like, like five country songs in a row and these are all new. Every single one, no joke, said ice cold beer in the song. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it, man. Yeah. I, yeah but I was like, fucking ice cold ice school beer again i was like, of course it is that's that's what they're going to talk about and so that makes sense it's funny i never thought of their um 
their song tiles having that kind of weird uniform thing. It's weird. That, I, I started to notice them when I was, you know, I, I had a dark night of the soul with, with my Asian <laughs> collection. But then like one of my all-time favorite albums, Bad Out of Hell, is yeah. all, almost all cliche. T- Bad Out of Hell itself is just a phrase. It's just a cliche. It, well, phrase, Paradise right? by the Dashboard is... Except is, for is, that song. Yeah. You're absolutely That's a cool right. title, man. But That's if you cool look at the other songs, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, Heaven Can Wait, yeah. For Crying Out Loud, those are just nothing titles, but amazing songs. But you're right. That song is the album outlier paradise by the dashboard lights is a very creative song title and a very and, and a, a whole universe in a song but, the, right. but he does that in all these other ones too so i don't know whether he proves it or it proves it wrong or but but yeah i just started to notice those phrases and like in a really dumb obvious way like oh all song titles are just phrases <laughs> just kind of embarrassing Wait, here's a question though are they are they american or english or where are they from who the, the asia they're british and um, okay because because everyone's while there's but, like but not british those aren't british phrases right There's mm, no... yeah i guess that's, that's true what's, thinking, a, well, what's a british phrase well they you know there's some shit about like they always talk about berries and stuff and brambles and weird stuff like that berries and brambles the new song berries and brambles we got something there's alliteration there i like that actually <laughs> That was good. All right. Well, we should probably talk about uh, some fucking movies here, dude. Um, yeah. I don't know how much you want to indulge me ripping on The Flash before we talk about Evil Dead Rises. No, I, I guess you got a theory. I've not seen The Flash, but I have a theory about superhero fatigue for me and all this stuff. I want to hear your, your your thoughts, though. Well, I was fascinated by it mostly because of the, the bad publicity about the lead, who of course. is, you know, I don't I don't take these cancellations lightly, but this is a crazy person. This yes. Guy, his list of crimes is off the hook. If have you read his list of crimes? Yeah, I, I, I've seen I've seen a list. There might be more at this point. Um, it's it's insane. And it's funny, like the the whole um, promotion machine. I think their basic hidden message was like they couldn't say this, obviously, but they're basically like, he are they are so good in this film that we are willing to. <laughs> Uh, let go, let him, let them like kidnap and do all these crazy things because this movie, guys, this, this is <laughs> right. this is something important. And I was almost convinced. I was like, they, he, they gotta be fucking on fire in this thing, right? They, they, they have to no, be because no, I, I want to. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But as far as the crime list, we because I started to watch it and I said to Amy, this, so you know that this is a crazy person that we're watching that this is this is a criminal on screen. And she said, but what what exactly did uh, Ezra Miller is the name, right? right. What exactly? Exactly. Yeah. Did uh, did Ezra Miller do? And so I start looking through Wikipedia, and um, and it, you know you can go down to where it says controversies and legal issues, hmm. and and it starts off it's like disorderly conduct, and then it says Hawaii incident, strangling incident, second mm-hmm. strangling incident, Messiah complex, harassment, child with bullet in mouth. The, the baby was found like sucking on bullets. Uh, I guess that's Ezra Miller upon. is heavily armed at all times. That yeah, and but I, I'm not even kidding. That is like half the crime list. It keeps going. And it'll say I like think farm incident, burglary charge, third what's strangling. Your, <laughs> well, weren't there two different karaoke incidents where he where they fought somebody like I. Like they, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know what the timeline is. If was the movie, was the filming the movie drove this person off the off their their meds or something? I, I don't. When you're watching it, you do see in the eyes that that there's something going on. You know, <laughs> really? you, you know a guy like that. You've you've met a person like that, right? Where something in the eyes, there's something back there. Yeah, I, I definitely have, and it's pretty pretty frightening because it's like you're like, oh, 
that's what that is. That's someone is unhinged. But There's... as far as, but they don't channel that. Like, I've seen movies with crazy people before. And sometimes that's amazing. Right. This, they don't harness it. I think that would it, the, the performance is just this um, sort of bug eyed. Oh, everything's crazy. Can you believe it? And like the sarcastic smart ass kid kind of thing so that's all you get you don't get because that's what i was hoping with a list of crimes like that i thought i am ready for some <laughs> method acting this is going to be the craziest one yet and no <laughs> it's not there none of that See, stuff's there what i would love because like, it's always fun it's fun as, as someone just you know watching from the outside to see someone you know has done something terrible or they have some crazy um element to them but they're presenting as a really like disney-ish kind of like hunky dory but you still can see a glimpse of that darkness yeah you there's a glimpse of it i'd say the craziest thing in this movie is uh is the design for ben affleck's new bat suit have you seen it looks like uh i don't know if you listen to i don't even know how to say it diant word oh diant wood or whatever yeah yeah i think it means the word or but i, I don't know how you pronounce it but anyway they have a video where he's dressed as a dog and it's, a, <laughs> it's but it's a very disturbing half yeah, human half dog because his brow is kind of yeah he's a permanent brow uh, crease yes. that, like a gargoyle would have or something yeah it's it looks like an actual dog that's the scariest thing and there's also there's also a weird opening where a maternity ward blows up and it's like <laughs> some real looney tune shit where the the flash has to get these babies to land but i didn't i don't know the flash powers you're a comic book guy but yeah. you're also very fatigued <laughs> on superheroes as you said so maybe you know what his power apparently you, the flash can't touch you or something horrible happens so he's constantly going around and he's tugging on these like babies onesies to maneuver them to a soft landing and <laughs> See, it was so know. confusing the logistics i'm like go save some people but instead it's just like i gotta tug on this and i gotta i gotta push and just kind of tap on this and i gotta <laughs> tickle this and give a little look like, what the fuck is going on this is the opening action scene and i can't understand it see the thing about being in the comic books is it doesn't really matter when it comes to like what can a character do or not because it's like it's like the bible there's a million different denominations at this point and so there's one version that says this and another version that says that so my flash can totally touch people he has touched me but yeah i i don't I, that sounds don't terrible the powers the no, X, yeah because you remember the x-men guy this there was a speedy guy in the x-men yeah 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 but i'm well, saying like these these characters have been around some of these for almost 100 years so well, those, that was a great scene i understood i understood what i was seeing in the x-men movie when that guy was zipping around he would take somebody's yeah. he would punch people he would just push on people and so when it went to normal speed they'd fly across the room because they got hit really hard so that made that made sense to me but this one whenever the flash in this movie starts running there's all this lightning bullshit all around oh the speed uh what's it called like the speed force i don't understand why i think that was one of the other pleasures is when somebody's going really fast the world they've they they're you know they're violating the physics of the normal world so the normal world is frozen and they right. get to and they get to like have this party and they're by themselves so when it turns into just a fireworks display of lightning hitting everything it takes away the joys of somebody yeah. moving really fast because it's just no, it's like you're, 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 it's so yeah, annoying no, you're totally right because that, that's actually the part that will be cinematic yeah. and you could have fun with unlike uh, actually that's one thing where that power will be cooler in a movie than a comic book because you can really show time stopping like you said like the quicksilver thing from x-men that was perfect it, it had tons of fun of people you know like that's what you want and maybe they're afraid of i guess imitating that but it's kind of like that's what he does he's he's a yeah, fast they, guy so yeah they fucked it up also he doesn't he stands around a lot he'll activate the speed powers and lightning <laughs> will be hitting everything but he's just kind of standing there so it's more like he just freezes time and then he's not he doesn't like that's not the fast guy do the fast guy stuff why are you standing there with lightning shooting around and freezing everybody that I reminds think... me of that's like the professor x power oh yeah yeah exactly it's funny. i 
think the guy who directed this is the guy who did the It movies. And, you know, It 1 was pretty good, and It 2 was really bad. And I was like, this guy's kind of off my list now. Yeah, that makes sense to me. There's a lot of CGI. They put CGI t- uh, tears on him. So he must be... He must not be a great actor because there's about, f- I'm not even kidding, at least five times when he's supposed to be really, really sad. And there's like a CGI tear. Are you being serious? They actually have CGI tears now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's like the uh, auto pitch for singers. It's like, you can't just do this. Then why you, why is that your job? Like, that's yeah. pretty bad. It's, that's it's pretty. Ezra Miller's probably like, listen, I will cry my eyes out. You got to put a bullet in that baby's mouth. <laughs> I got to see it. And they're like, no, we're not. We're on. We're not going to do that on set. He's like, trust me, I will cry. Like, we'll, we'll fix it in post. Just fuck that. Just get the kid out of the set. Just go take the take the baby. Yeah, yeah. No, he. I think that if given a chance to be fully unleashed, it could have been. <laughs> Because every he does do some things that are vaguely funny. I can't remember any of them. But when he do them, I would think, you know, that's funny. But wouldn't it be funnier if if he did that? And he also that person had a restraining order against him because that that's much funnier. And but the, but instead, you just get the goofy. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe what's happening. That's that's his shtick. Is right. can you believe it? Oh shucks. Uh, yeah, and the yeah the Batman stuff, the Michael Keaton Batman stuff is great. When he shows up, it's very you're you're very much happy to see him. And by this I, point, you've, I, got, I, you've got two Ezra Millers by this point though. So you probably you got some fatigue with with that that whole thing, but yeah, he's, well, he does great. Uh, I bet he does. You know, it's funny seeing like the trailer. That's the thing where it's like I know they're showing this to me because they want me to you know activate my nostalgia. But they've done it, and that's like Michael Keaton as Batman. Oh my god, I do want to see that. But yeah, you he's know, cool. He, there's you know there's the obligatory explaining time travel scene, and he right. does it with spaghetti that he was making before they barged in on his <laughs> into his into his house. That's charming. So yeah, so he does the whole analogy, just you know like an Event Horizon or Interstellar with but he does the whole michael keaton thing it's just sort of i don't know just like a just like a nice warm blanket he just does he insert like pretty. TLC lyrics into everything he says like secretly because that would <laughs> yeah. i would pay money the, for that to bring that shit back that I, was a good I stick. he does do things where i wish there was a lot more of it because when he when he exits the movie it's very sad be, and not sad because of the movie but sad because oh no we're stuck with right with this shit again we're back to two of the fast guys and then uh you've got supergirl who um, is a dud. It's not very interesting. But when when he's doing his thing, it's very low tech to where at some point they have to get out of some underground military base and they're going up this elevator and they actually pause for a moment and he pulls out a little tape measure, a little bat tape measure. It's like, okay, now how much do all three of you weigh? It's like, <laughs> that's that's awesome because he's still got 80s technology. Yeah. And, and it still works. It still does the job. I mean, um, that's, that sounds great. I mean, I, you know, I... I've written, I mean, I've made a four page comic about how the Batman movie from 89 changed my life as, as far as making me want to um, read more comics and to draw comics and stuff. So that Michael Keaton is my Batman easily. Like he's my yeah, guy. So watch, yeah. Watch the 20 minutes in the middle of it. As soon as they get to, at some point the, the spaghetti analogy was, was plenty, but instead they have a visual representation of time travel or multiverses or whatever the fuck it is. And it's excruciating. It's like this <laughs> wacky amphitheater. When he runs to the speed of light, he ends up in what looks to be like this Roman amphitheater where he can see on the steps of it, all these alternate versions of things that he just saw. So right. he can reach into them and he can do whatever he wants. And it's, it looks terrible. It looks like it's like the Langoliers level effects. It's just terrible. <laughs> oh. and, light, and lightning is going nuts on it. Sure. And it's like they, they've never been able to do that. If you remember the, this is not really time travel, but you remember the memory warehouse and Dreamcatcher? I don't know if you saw oh, that one. You know, I, yeah. It's like a visual representation of something that's impossible to describe. Interstellar had like the, the big bookcase at the end. Right. Like you can't, these things just don't look great. And plus when it, when you have this giant multi-leveled narrative possibilities, it just, 
takes you out of it. And I was, every time he went there, and he goes there about, in the plot of the movie, he goes there about a million times. But we see him go there about a dozen times, and he gets so tired of it. That's like the last half of the movie. You, and then at definitely... that point, bat, you're back to you get the Ben Affleck Batman, which is, that's a bust. He just has one joke where Wonder Woman hits him with the lasso of truth. And so he just starts spitting out memes. He's like, starts mumbling like, oh, I guess I'd be more effective if I just gave out my money to the poor. I used to be normal. Oh, so I took, so I took gotcha. a bullet to the parents and you're just like, what is, what's going on? This is this is just internet talk in the middle of this yeah. movie. I, I wonder how this shit's going to age. Because I, I, it's already bad, but like it's, it's going to be even time. worse. It's an ugly yeah. time for movies. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely not sold me on it. Like I, I, I actually today I was like, oh, I could guess I, I can rent it for 20 bucks. I can't do that. Can't I don't do think you should rent. You should wait, wait until I think in two weeks it goes to HBO or yeah, sorry, exactly. Yeah, Max. Or... And then you can watch it for free. There's one thing that I did think of you. I, th- I thought you would like this. Well, there's two two things are kind of humorous. The idea, the plot of the movie is them preventing the movie Man of Steel from happening. That's kind of funny. That is that's pretty clever. Okay. And I thought of you not maybe this is also one of the negatives, but Ezra Miller's character keeps doing this slang. That is kind of like the Frank Miller slang. Oh, from the mutants from Dark Knight Returns. Kind of. I don't know whether okay. I don't know how kids talk though. But do they say <laughs> when they say things are great? Do they say things are beef? Like in like Ooh. a beef, like a beaver? I've never heard that. It's <laughs> it made me it, it made me like shudder. Like he was, he was saying things. Um, were, I, were I don't beef. know. So I do actually work. I now work at, uh, at a job at MIT with some uh, young people who are like 19, 18, 20. <laughs> and they've opened my mind to um, how <laughs> dire things have become and how Oops. old I am. Don't try that one first, though. That's that's a that's <laughs> that's probably a stage four slang. Calling had, some, had, a, had a real beef day today, guys. You know what I'm saying? I had to pick up my kid from daycare. Pretty beef. Pretty beef. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, Ace Billy checks balls. <laughs> balls nasty. <laughs> looking checks nasty. <laughs> oh, you love looking checks. Checks looking checks is fucking good. I, I love that stuff, man. Dude, okay, that's a good segue. Speaking of licking checks, we both watched Evil Dead Rise, which is full of some licking checks, full of some nasty. <laughs> um, dude, I I know I haven't really talked to you about your opinion of it, but okay. I really hated it for a long time. Right. Until like the last 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> and it sort of won me over with the, just the um, the amount of blood. So I like the blood elevator, but I think yeah, the final that's, that's audacious. If you're going to do the shining scene with right. the elevator, right? Exactly. That, that takes some balls, and they did it. It looks cool, but I I also hate the last uh, form of the monster where they all kind of merge together. It just looks kind of yeah. dorky. There's so I don't know. Did I, you did you even like it? I don't even. I just remember you saying you're going to watch it, and then we thought it'd be a great thing to talk about. So yeah. I've seen it. I seen it twice now. So the first time I saw, it, I was like, "That's okay." And now I watched it again. I was like, you know what? It's really not that good. I actually I was making a joke. It was called a uh, mid Evil Dead, but M I D. Like, <laughs> um, and I think part of it is like I don't know if this is exactly unfair, but um, I think uh, I keep comparing it to the 2013 remake Evil Dead, and that was pretty good. Yes, that one has. That one's got something like that has a that has an edge to it that I wasn't expecting. So in this one would probably be just a decent horror movie, but it not only has to go up against Evil Dead, it has to go up against the the reboot, which is better than this. You know what I mean? It's 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 not even as good as the reboot, which was surprisingly good for what it was. So exactly. So it's funny. I I will say this. So 
I, you know, I'm going to dump on this film. I will say the main actress, uh, she did a great job, as, oh, especially I'm, as, as the... I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you there. Oh, <laughs> shit. Here we go. I, I thought she as especially as Dude, a dead I, hate, I hated her face. I hated her face. That's the best part. Her face I is crazy. Her face. It's it's like the speaking of the shining. It's the, it's like the shining argument about how Jack Nicholson is already crazy when you meet him. Right. So she's already got that angular screech mouth face when she's she's supposed to be like <laughs> this loving mother. And she already looks like a fucking nightmare. She's Hey, she's a little, she's a little care top. Yeah, it's, she's got this triangle face with this giant Fruza bulk mouth, and she's the, and she kind of talks through her teeth because she's because they're all Australian and they're all hiding their accents, so they're all talking the, the, through their there's, teeth. Yeah, even the little kid is actually Australian or British or something. Because once in a while, a little baby kid, like who's like six, or she's like, I'm like, that's not how American <laughs> would say that. Yeah, and there's something about talking. When you hide your accent, I I can't prove this. I need <laughs> I need more funding to prove this. But uh, he, I think when you talk, when you try to hide an Australian accent specifically, I think you talk through your teeth when you do it. So she was kind of hmm. she was kind of doing. Uh, I, I can't do it. I, I'm not even going to try to do it. But she's got this big rictus grin already. And then when she says so when she gets possessed, it's like, well, you already looked like that. You already had that stupid face. So I think you got a prejudice against people with arched eyebrows. Jack Nicholson and this lady, they can't help that. That's just I like Nicholson. Nicholson, I would I don't think it's it hurts the shining that he's already crazy, actually, because he gets yeah. he gets even crazier. No, uh, I, I agree he does that. he he does have somewhere to go. As as, <laughs> he's at seven, but he's gonna go to fifteen. So yeah, he's fun. gonna go to fifteen by the end of that. She starts already doing that horror movie vamping around when you first see her. I don't know. So there was, she just didn't have anywhere to go for me. And also they wanted to pick somebody who's like a young hip mom. So she's covered in tattoos, but they're all, yeah. they're recent. You could tell that they were drawn on her for this movie. Right. So I kept waiting for something interesting because the, the book, this is such a no brainer, the book of the dead or whatever. Do they call it Necronomicon in this? No, know? they don't. But, it's, but you know, we all know. Yeah. But it's written in blood. It was again in this one where it's written in blood. So it's sort of tattooed. The book is sort of tattooed. Right. right? Or reverse tattooed. So if you if you write in blood when you should be writing in ink, it's like a tattoo reversal. Either way, and it's, they, it's they bound in human flesh. With it's, that. It, no, you're right. It's literally is it is flesh of like yeah, exactly. If it's like make those things appear on her body or something, her tattoos something. change. They something. did nothing yeah. with it. They just picked it because they thought, well, she looks like she looks cool. And I don't hate the idea that it's in a high rise. I don't mind this the sort of uh, you can't be against that idea if you like Evil Dead because those are all you're stuck in his place. Right. It's a, it's a, it's like a predator too. It's like well, we've done the cabin. We did, so what's what's the the opposite? The first thing you think. Up. Well, you're isolated in a high rise if you yeah. do things. Yeah, so it makes sense. I get that. It just made it visually murky. Like those other movies are dark and murky, but there's something. It seemed like there was a lot of ingenuity on how to and that, whether it's the, yeah. the the camera zipping around, which they actually did something clever with that at the very beginning. I thought we were in good hands. The zoom, was, yeah, and the oh, reveal no. that it's a drone and that it's yeah, not. The, I actually laughed. I said. Okay, that's kind of funny because I've been ripping on movies for a decade that just use a drone shot at the beginning to make it look big. You know, there's like a drone going over the woods or it's going over. A, right. Yeah. It's going, skimming across the water. It's like everybody can do that now. So every movie looks like it's got this vast. I think I had exactly the exact experience. I watched the beginning. I was like, yeah, that's clever. That's what you should do for this movie. Right. But yeah. I think the problem with the, the high rise is also even the cabin in the woods, they go to the woods sometimes. There's a forest. too. Yes. And of course that, so I'm like, I guess you, they couldn't find an equivalent of that. They had some cool elevator stuff. And they, honestly, the, the the building being built above a bank, I would have done more of that. Because for some reason they have to go into the bank and then they're hiding around in the safes and all that shit. That could have been cool or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're right. They they didn't take advantage of that, of that building. Um, the elevator stuff was probably the best stuff. My biggest peeve with it is like, um, 
I have this problem with almost every modern movie is, um, you know, something should be subtext, not text. And the the motherhood thing with the sister, it's like, like we get it. What, what it's, it's kept on hammering at home. I was like, it's like aliens. Uh, when they cut the the scene where um, Ripley's daughter dies, and that in the original version, the theatrical version, you don't know she had a daughter. And it's the movie's about her um, becoming a, a sort of surrogate mother to this character. You don't need to know that she lost her real daughter. That that's, it actually is more powerful to me not having that element. So this movie, yeah. every fucking like 10 minutes, it's like, oh man, I'm going to be a mom. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. I don't know about this. It's like, dude, oh my God. Even even the elevator, when it breaks, it's very end. It is a, it's a inverted V and his blood gushing out of it. I'm like, okay. Oh, I, mean, I didn't even catch that. And it see, was, I think that would, would have been cooler. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it said, such as like the 20th motherhood thing. I'm like, all right, man, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. That kind of kneecapped him as far as being as cruel as these movies should be. That's why mm-hmm. the, re- the reboot wins the day because it's vicious, a very, very cruel movie. And, and the guy who directed the remake, um, He's going to do a, a, the next Alien movie, actually, which is kind of cool. Um, but he he basically said that I was like, that's really smart. He's like, the poster for the first Evil Dead it says like the most horrifying ex- uh, experience in the cinema, something like that, like the most horrifying movie you ever see. And he's like, I wanted to make true that claim, like I wanted to make that movie, and like, that was like his mission statement. And it's it's sadistic. Like there's so many scenes where like, oh my god, there's going to be, and it's funny. Yeah. No, you're you're right, and to and to do that, you have to you have to do permanent things to your protagonists or their loved ones, which you don't you kind of don't want when there's a when there's children. You know what I mean? So they yeah, it gets exactly themselves because there's there's a few cheats in the movie too. Like the I don't know if you remember when when they find the book of the dead, it looks a little rock and roll, which is kind of lame. It doesn't look as yeah. It ironically looks better when it looks cheesier because it just seems kind of seedier. But this one looks a little too cool or something. There's like weird teeth on the side. What are we doing? Yeah, it looked like a Slayer album. <laughs> but the uh, but it also it cheats. Somebody's playing the the Klaatu Barada Nictu shit. She unplugs. They're like, oh no, I don't want it to say the Latin to conjure up the demon. And there's all this unplugging and turning it off, but it still does it anyway. That's such a cheat. Like that. That's like sending flowers to itself or something. It's not playing fair. You you have to trick the people <laughs> into saying it to unleash the thing. And the person right. is doing what they should have done, which is, nope, turn it off, turn it but instead, it just kept going and played it anyway. Yeah, because then you don't get your original sin where, you know, the characters did make a mistake. Like, yes. it, they, they didn't know the consequences. Yes. They did fuck up. So they kind of are, they're going to get what they, they're going to get. Yeah, I, I thought that it's was already, kind of... Yeah, it's already controlling the room where it's plugging itself in or using, you know what I mean? It's, so that does it just feels like it's not fair. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but, so that, and there's a lot of kind of weak, these kind of weak-ass versions of Evil Dead moments. Like, mo- moments that you knew very well from Evil Dead. I'm talking about the original. Right. Um, and two where they do it and it's not really fan service because they're all just lesser versions like the uh the tree molesting scene is now an attack of wires in the elevator right but it doesn't really it doesn't put her in that really terrifying gynecological position because you kind of don't want to see that that's what made that first movie so unnerving and the remakes version of that i think they're kind of smart way around that was basically yes uh she does in this in the remake the trees are going to uh penetrate her I, and i think it doesn't go as far as the original was showing like it go in between her legs all the way but what the tri- the, the way that they flip it is that it's an evil version of herself who's controlling the plants so it makes it in a way i guess a little, it's still pretty rapey but it's like yeah. not male rapey if you associate trees with men i don't know but they made it, it made it a little more like less rapey and more like just sort of her the darkness is going to 
consume her or, or invest there and infest her. I don't know. I thought the remix version of that was um that is interesting because I now that you think of it, I think trees are typically depicted as men, aren't they? They they certainly are in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you feel uh, are they men? Are trees are trees are we not trees? <laughs> um yeah, I don't I don't know. Not all trees. Not all trees, yeah. Um definitely a tree from poltergeist, man. That thing was fucked up. Um but, but yeah, funny, I know so this this movie, like you said. It's it's trying to do little homages and little riffs on the Evil Dead stuff we all expect. Most of it isn't successful. I will say the one sequence I was like, this is cool, was when um they they, they lock out Evil Mom and they're looking through the little fish uh, islands uh, through the people of the door. Right. And a bunch of action happens where they're, they're kind of seeing Mom dispatch people and they're, maybe some limbs are flying over this way and then she walks over that way. And then they see somebody else shoot a shotgun and somebody flies over there. And that's cool because that to me that shows almost a little restraint, like showing something. We've all seen in these movies and other movies like a million cool gore effects but this is kind of showing in a new way and you, you feel like you're in a pov of the family watching this shit but that's you know that's a two-minute sequence in a, a longer movie um yeah I, I i like that sequence but then I, when i started to think about it i remember thinking they kept pulling their punches whenever she was going to inflict actual damage on her kids she would right. you'd think oh shit is she gonna stab her own kid in the eye and then she'd give him a little scratch on the cheek or you know in that one spot in the shoulder which is where you're allowed to stab a loved one in a film <laughs> but, but that so in the hallway when she lets loose i thought okay we can see what this possessed thing can actually do but then i thought well this is why you they had to bust out these five randos for to slaughter in the hallway because they couldn't do that to anybody in the room they barely let her i mean they do eventually there's some pretty severe violence yeah, to, eventually to older not, teenager kids yeah but not maybe when it counts when it makes you really uncomfortable like, like the tree the tree thing made you uncomfortable but in the elevator she's she's restrained and put in what looks to be a weirdly comfortable position actually when, <laughs> well, when all funny, the water she just looked kind of like oh that looks kind of like a hammock i think what they're sidestepping is that it's never the mom actually killing the other kids when they get uh, taken over. Uh, I think the the daughter, the teenage daughter, sort of she gets infected by the slash in her cheek, and she just kind of dead dead outs. She turns into a creature, right. and then she kills her brother. And the funny right. thing, all so loop, those are all loopholes, right? Right, because because the, the, the funny the real tension in the movie, the the thing that I think um, should be subtext and then maybe text is like sometimes your mom fucking wants to kill you sometimes because you just you're so annoying like you're always asking for laundry to get done and all this crap so that would be kind of more like like the shining where it's like sometimes man dad might fucking just he might fucking chop us up we gotta you know gotta watch ourselves and so my big thing with the 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 the, um door sequence because i did enjoy but i was like oh you know what would have been way better is when um they throw mom out and then sister uh juliette lewis uh sounded like she slams the door there's a little boy who's out there with his older brother that that kid's probably 12 or 13 tops yeah she she sees him but the movie doesn't linger enough to make you go whoa she made a choice she said you know what the the kids in my family are more important than that stranger kid i'm not gonna yeah. even try to save him. and that would have been kind of cool to go like it's like like in the john carpenter's the thing where um they shoot uh the one guy and they find it later on no he was human you you know right came at you and this this is a really messy situation, and I, I was like, oh, it, the movie would have had some teeth if we would have done something right. like that. That's what it's it is missing teeth. It yeah, is, it is missing the teeth. And this movie should be all teeth. It's it Evil be, Dead. It's the book is literally has teeth. The book has teeth. <laughs> the movie does not. And there's a there was a was the other Evil Dead two moment. The eyeball. Well, oh, the, in the mouth. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the eyeball. They didn't even they didn't make it gorier or funnier. 
they just sort of did an eyeball gag. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm actually remembering this now. When this movie first started with the, with the drone, I was like, oh, maybe if the if the remake was sort of like trying to um, make true the promise of, of the first Evil Dead, maybe this one will be more like Evil Dead Two, where it's going to be really splash sticky and real real funny, gory and crazy, and it didn't do that either. Yeah, it didn't do it didn't do either. And it didn't help that, like I said, the lead bugged me and she starts doing the voice and her voice kind of sounds like Elvis for some reason when she does her whole really like, mom is with the maggots now. Baby, mama, mama's with the maggots now. It just sounds like Elvis. Didn't that? So that that's pretty good. I actually think that her regular voice, her American accent, was a little southerny. So maybe that's a little bit of that. Isn't that the? Isn't that the trick? Whenever somebody wants to sound American, they just sort of sound like a dumbass. Right, right. (laughs) Just try to. They're like, aren't they stupid? Let's just start to talk like Elvis. She also uh, I should... the, the hereditary right. head banging. She starts doing the head banging from hereditary, which I oh, thought was kind that's of kind of true. You know what though, yeah. real quick though, at the very beginning, um ripping that chick's uh scalp off of the ponytail, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was but then she came out and started talking as if oh, she yeah, was she... crying. It would be cool if she was like Ray Liotta from Hannibal, where she was just fucking saying random funny <laughs> shit, you know? Like, yeah, Th- that was uh, that was surprising. I didn't expect to see her again. That did surprise me. I thought, well, you were when something that cataclysmic happens to your head, you don't expect that person to run out in the next scene, like Billy, are you okay? <laughs> right. I actually speaking to Ray Liotta. I thought I saw him in this movie for half the movie, and it turns out that oh. guy was not Ray Liotta. Didn't that you guy look like Ray Liotta? The old guy, the shotgun. Yeah, I, th- I thought I, he looked like Gone to Seed Riker from Star Trek: Next Generation. He might have. Was he the one who does he cut his finger at the beginning and then immediately start sucking on his finger? Was that somebody else? No, that was the the boy touching the the book with the with the teeth. Oh, right, right, right. That's one of those things that bugs me in movies. Is I don't know anyone who's ever done that. Where you cut your finger and you you meet like, and you just start sucking on your finger. That, that's a crazy. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Why did yeah, yeah. No, I, I I apply pressure and probably go to the sink and see what the hell's going on. Get a bunch of teeth like toilet you paper. You don't jam it into your mouth. Yeah, blood tastes like metal. It's just not good. It's which didn't help because this movie has this as. SMR quality mm. where especially there's a moment when the the lead who who also does that breathe acting stuff i can't stand when she's still human she's kind of breathy there's I, it's hard to explain but she cooks I think egg, I, she's I, possessed I think she's cooking egg. Or not. um there's a moment when she's possessed and she's making eggs poorly yes and it's a very <laughs> asmr moment which um this might be a personal preference but asmr or when 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 people are like whispery and t- it, it makes me angry <laughs> somebody if somebody's whispering like that it just makes me so mad it makes me so mad so when i hear i'm gonna try to duplicate an asmr experience um, i'm just i'm just doing something like this it, doesn't that make you angry i actually pretty pretty turned on but um <laughs> I, can, I can respect your position no um i agree it's funny that scene with the eggs i was in the trailer i was like okay cool and, and watching i was like you know what did this better ghostbusters ghostbusters had a really creepy egg scene yeah yeah, I did. Where the eggs were kind of bubbling. Yeah, and this one there's like weird, there's like randomly blood in the egg. I'm not sure it's supposed to be from her fingers or just the, the eggs are evil now too or something. Which, like this it, is another thing that uh, as far as the sound, I'm gonna try to find it and put it in right here when I'm talking about it. Okay. So like right here, I think I'm gonna try to do that noise. But there's that annoying climbing violin sound. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been used in movies forever. <laughs> Yeah, and it it sort of supplements doing the work of scaring you. That it's a constant. You'll hear it in a lot of reality shows. Yeah, it's an escalation, and it's funny. It's it's like almost like a riff on was it Hans Zimmer's Dark Knight 
Joker thing where they just build and build, but it's like this is like a cheaper version of that. Oh, is it? I hadn't made that connection. I, I, I mean, that's what I think of when when I hear it. It's funny though. Horror movies have always had some sort of cheap sounding. Like even John Carpenter's movie have sometimes they have these like little synth stabs he'll do. Like, yeah, it is the vocabulary of a horror movie. It's to like signal to the dumbasses that you are watching a horror movie. Here's those little violins. Children are gonna say something sort of sing songy, right? Like the, yeah. like the little girls in the in The Shining. It all comes back to The Shining. Someone's gonna do the the Kubrick stare, which the lead does nonstop, where she stares at people, sort of head sort of down, glowering, and tilted. Yeah, like the private pile look, right? Yeah, and all that stuff is just so played out. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, no, I, I agree, and that's it's unfortunate. This movie doesn't need to be hereditary. It doesn't need to like. Um, it doesn't need to come at me with like a bunch of great new ideas. But if it can't even do the old ideas that the other ones in the series have done better, it's that's pretty. That's pretty bad. I mean, what are, what are we what are we talking about here? Yeah, I did say that it, I started to like it by the end. It's, there's a very specific reason when the demon's final form shows up, and it's sort of this. Speaking of spaghetti, it's a pile of spaghetti <laughs> legs and heads, kind of like a Star Trek uh, color out of space transporter accident. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like Brendel fly. Yeah. So it's kind of flopping around with all these heads and legs. I like that a lot. That's the sort of visual haven't seen before in an evil dead thing. Or maybe we have, or maybe I'm thinking of Freddy Krueger. Has there been a moment in evil dead where a bunch of heads are coming out of a torso? I, I don't think so. Well, no, the, the closest Wait, thing that was in, evil... was in your book. That might've been an augmented form. <laughs> but yeah, I buy you in a classy way. So I actually like this idea on paper. I just think the execution left a little bit to be desired. Um, a wood chipper, a wood chipper is always welcome though. You you gotta like oh I, yeah i love that and i love uh you know you have a chainsaw somehow sure and even brought in a shotgun you know i will say uh, the juliet lewis lady um she was trying but her you know throwing some kind of tough guy lines weren't really doing yeah. it for me and also all these new horror movies I think they've maybe always done this, but it's kind of irking me lately is um, they're trying to make you care about these characters. And so they keep inventing melodramatic stakes that there's family tensions and this and this and that. And if you do that poorly, which I think this film does, it's it's just kind of a great. I'm like, you should, I think they should better, they would better invest their time making these characters uh, either dislikable and they're, they're or, or, or interesting in their actions yeah. just make them and and then you will be compelled to go oh i i really hope this guy makes it out of here because i 100 agree so you're saying like be compelling moment to moment is all you need to do if yeah. you nail the survival aspect of it you are attached to that person way more than if you decide to give them the trendy um what's the the name they've got a name for it right now the oh elevated horror or something elevated or? horror because i coined a phrase that actually i think fits it pretty good you ready for this yeah hit me allegorical or that's pretty good does it that's roll off good. the tongue does it roll uh, off the tongue a little bit <laughs> yeah no that's that's actually pretty instead, good um but instead of doing all the allegorical horror i think you're right that if we just have if they're just doing their job and making the survival aspect real to us then you just attach yourself to, you don't have to know that they're sad about their mom or whatever yeah it's like, it's like that uh, it was last year or two years ago there's a crawl like the alligator movie yes like okay so i had some fun with that movie there was some bad CGI. And all that. The, the worst part of the movie was actually them really going into like dad and daughter have fallen apart, man. And their house is fucking falling apart because like their, their, their relationships falling apart. If they could just get it's to falling get, apart it's, because they live in a cul-de-sac that has a gas station, like no American <laughs> neighborhood has ever had. <laughs> have you ever seen a, a cul-de-sac with a gas station in it? Yeah, that's pretty bad. It gets a good how, point. Do you, how do you say that you're filming your movie in a European tax shelter without saying <laughs> 
but it's one of those things where I'm like, just don't do that. Like, I, I, I'd rather have cipher characters who the actors are bringing some charm to them or something than than that. Like, I'd rather have uh, an early Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street where it's like, you don't even have to say this is the kid who gets bullied. This is the kid who's into smoking pot. It's like, no, this guy, he wears a red shirt, but he um, he makes some jokes and he's kind of interesting. Or that that's all the level I need for this to work. Because yeah. what you're doing, what these moves are doing now it's really obvious and it seems more like it's almost like they're checking off a list. Like we got to yeah, give this can guy see a the strings. We can now we yeah. can see the, the, when the new strings showed up, I was much more into it with, uh, I love the Babadook. Uh, I still sure. think Midsummer and Hereditary are amazing. Hereditary, Hereditary especially. I think that's, that's a that's really that great does film. It, does it right. But um, so now there's so many copycats that they're doing it wrong. You know, there's another and that's that Go happens ahead. any success, right? Any success, you're going to see a wave of imitators and they're always mm-hmm. going to take the wrong lessons. And it's right. It's funny. No one ever learns. Right. The The last thing I want to talk about with Evil Dead Rises is uh, I wanted to try to bring back the script doctor because uh, yeah. I used to do this on Almost Good here. I used to, there's, yeah. there's always something that feels just like a glaring omission, something that they should have done that they didn't do. And in this movie, and I think it's, it was, do you know how all these movies, somebody's chanting dead by dawn? Yeah. You might, um, this might be a groaner, but you might, you might just hang up the phone, but what Mm -hmm. if one of the main characters was named Julie? Just kidding. What if (laughs) one of the main characters was named Dawn? It's right there. Have somebody (laughs) have one of the main characters named Dawn. If she was named Dawn and then everybody started chanting dead by Dawn, that's kind of funny. Is that is that a mistake? Is that a, did I take a wrong turn? I don't know. I'm on the fence, man. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, I, it depends how you do. It. They've been saying cool. Dead by Dawn for 50 years, and no one's it, been named Dawn. You know what? If they do it like in this film, that that line comes near the end of the movie, and you've been hanging out with Dawn, and someone says it. As long as I, should, the, should the the monsters actually make a joke out of it, or should this be they say it and then like how, how are we gonna like, what's the how we how are we gonna make this work? I didn't I didn't think that far. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, don't, I don't know how much how patient you are for uh did we want to talk about uh, uh wesley anderson yeah i'm down let's do a super fast i was actually thinking about wesley anderson recently just because of the um the doomed submarine stuff the ocean gate oh right yeah because of the i started thinking about life aquatic and i remembered you recently ranked all of wes anderson's movies and <laughs> this i can't even say it out loud but I'll, you put Life Aquatic last. I did not put last. I put Dares Unlimited last. Okay. But it was second to last. No, that can't be right. It was so low on your list. It's... Not only that, when gently prodded by strangers on the internet, <laughs> you, had, you had a brick of text ready to go about what was wrong with Life Aquatic. This sounds like me. I don't know your opinion of the new Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I didn't like it. And I think I think Life Aquatic does the, the things that it tried to do in this one really failed to do. There are some couple things that I really liked, but I was I might be done with Wes Anderson. I don't I don't oh, know. What- damn. So okay, I'll say this. Like, get this out of the way. I think Life Aquatic is better than this one, than Asteroid City. OK. All right. And, and um, yeah, my, my memory of it is, like, is, is, Life, is Life Aquatic your number one? It might be, and not necessarily based on the movie, but because the menu screen is so soothing, and I would just let the menu screen play. I fall asleep to the menu. That's totally fair. It is in my brain. It's it's in my blood. The life aquatic. That music is so great, though. You're right. The little blippy theme. So. so uh, you know, my 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 list off my memory is Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore, and then it's maybe it's 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 I, I ranked them, but it's more like a three way tie between Grand Budapest Hotel, F- Mr. Fox, and then Moonrise Kingdom, and then I think it's Life Aquatic, 
and then I think I I went to um, uh, Isle Dogs, and then I went to um, French Dispatch, and then I went to Daring Limit as last. I think that's where it was. So life, life Aquatic kind of goes in the middle. And I think um, Life Aquatic has so many great things, but I and I, I think I admitted this on Facebook too. Part of the reason why maybe I rank it lower than some people is that it came right after World of Tenenbaums, which was such a high for me. Tenenbaums is, to me was such a, uh, a revelation, and so it kind of suffers being the follow up. It's like. If yeah. it was maybe his his sixth movie of like oh this fucking rules, but anyways this new one I I actually did enjoy it, but I will say um I feel like he's trying some new things maybe they're not working maybe this is maybe this is a transitional movie if well, I'm this being... is something what is his deal with the when he adds layers to the narrative yeah I got I got I guess I, he's I, been doing that for a while but the facade I, of it being a play see, uh, I, I got I, I agree uh, see I have I have this opinion for a while somewhere around moonrise kingdom which i do like he had a narrator to that and he had a narrator in roll of tenenbaums who wasn't on screen right, right. it was so alec baldwin right just kind of yeah us. yeah exactly he comes in once one that, that's fine but moonrise kingdom which i really like he has a narrator which is talking to the screen and that's okay but afterwards grand budapest hotel it could be like my number two favorite movie of his but there's all these layers there's like it starts out with a somebody looking at a statue of a writer and then goes to that writer and the writer saying i met this guy and the guy uh the guy from amadeus uh jeff murray abraham or whatever right. he tells a story and that story is the story we're actually talking about so i'm like wait there's we're fucking uh inceptioning why yeah, are we doing this more, i wouldn't even i would say you're like ghost of marsing it where right by the time you get to the third story in the story this one was so weird because this reminded me of the french dispatch where the framing stories become like a, a way to distance himself from the material like he's not confident in his kitsch anymore i it's it's so strange that the characters in the framing story of this are stiffer than the characters in the in the quote play like it should be the opposite that there should be some indication that if you're going to go to the effort of making this the world we're seeing as being artifice if the gimmick is that's the reality then i don't know maybe play that up or something but instead it just every time it went black and white i was like oh no don't do that keep us in your easter egg colored desert that's where i want to be why don't you want to be there why doesn't he want to be with us there why does he want to be in this this framing story of what uh scarlett johansson plays an actress playing an actress right it, it should be it, getting it, it, more real the further you go which could be interesting but instead it feels like this arbitrary layer i don't know it you know it's I think you're right. Like these, for me, it's like I love decoration to a point in in story, and and, and but this is becomes um like I said, it seems a weird barrier to keep us at bay. And I'm not sure why he does that. And so in the new one, I, I basically I'm being generous. I really like his work. Um, I I question because I was like kind of like you. I'm like I could just do a story with these kids and their parents stuck here at space camp and then even an alien comes down. That's kind of fun. And I've only watched the film one time. And I probably will watch it again. Rewatching Moonrise Kingdom just recently, I was like, "Yeah, man, I kind of thought Asteroid City would be like like a Moonrise Kingdom where it's it's young kids and their parents, yeah. and and that's kind of all I needed." And with the actor stuff, I was like, "Okay, I get this. You you've been directing for twenty years. You um you're very interested." in actors and in the production of stories, a story behind the story. But like you said, Life Aquatic, they talk about a troupe of filmmakers and they get into behind the scenes stuff and how there's a blurring between, uh, yeah, we're making this up for the camera, but there's a kernel of truth because, you know, there are these real feelings. And that was a little more, um, I guess, a little a little cleaner. And yeah. I wasn't exactly sure, yeah, what what was happening and so it's funny i'm 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 fairly loyal when it comes to my creators but if you burn me i will i will jump ship and it, he has not burned me this 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 is definitely like a question mark but i'm still going to be on board there's but a like, couple uh, things that you bring up the alien scene 
um the alien scene was delightful yeah like that's that's the artifice that he's great at like in life aquatic with the very fake looking stop motion critters right that stuff's great um so the alien coming down stop motion alien or maybe it's computer enhanced to look stop mo- i don't know but that stuff was great and it said in the credits that was jeff goldblum who just all he does <laughs> yeah is- he just kind of clears his throat or something. <laughs> There's just like no reason for that. So I, I appreciate that. And also the digital nature of it was weird because I, you know, I was shredding the flash for being so artificial and CGI. This is definitely the most CGI I've seen from Wes Anderson, but it's like he kind of gets a pass because the his thing is artifice or his thing is making these fussy little pastel colored worlds. And maybe he finally gave up on trying to replicate the symmetrical universe. So See, I was I wasn't sure it, about what was CGI. I thought some stuff was definitely still a matte background and stuff. It but... might be, there was, it had that glassy CGI look to me. I can, I kind of know it when I see it usually. Right. This felt a little more CGI, but it didn't bother me as much as it usually does because right. that there was something about the green, the sort of seafoam colors that he had in this, you know, this, right. this that seafoam blue that the sky was an unnatural blue that I just liked looking at. I just liked looking at it. And a lot of people were wearing that color shirt. So that, that level of artifice I like, but as far as on to having that narrative be at a distance or artificial or a resistance to letting us in, man, it just, I just never connected with even with the french dispatch which i did not like i really did like the one episode with the painter with paint, yeah the, benicio the, the and, the, and, and the yeah yeah and that the, the, the whole relationship uh, the whole relationship between him and the the um the guard i thought was really fascinating and cool yes that was better than i think these last two movies it's kind of like uh kind of like new york stories where the yeah where the nick nolte painting sequence is is so good that I wish there was a way to just surgically remove it from those other <laughs> just duds and that. It's, it's funny. Yeah. I, I think I think about this recently. Um, it's so hard to have a good anthology because obviously it is what it is. And like I was like, it's funny. I don't think of it as an anthology, but Pulp Fiction is an anthology and I love it. And it's because it's so many of the stories kind of bleed into each other. So it feels more like, a, I guess, a regular story, but it, it's an anthology. So I don't yeah, know what the trick is to make those. Yeah, Asteroid City, again, like... I, I know I'm 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 on you know I've drank the Kool Aid right so like um I, I'm going to see his next movie but this one is definitely a, is a slight disappointment and I do kind of feel like you know I I don't want to be that guy who's like I got to watch it again to make sure it's not great um but I'm going to watch it again and see if a divorce from my expectations because I I was yeah. expecting Moonrise Kingdom again with some kids and that sounded great to me well, that's maybe the thing. he does things like that great so why like if you're he's going to be criticized for doing wes anderson he's become he's right. become a thing right he's become a, that's a way a, a wes anderson movie is instantly recognizable and people give it a lot of shit i say just lean into that like i do want a wes anderson movie i'm not tired of him but i might be well, done with him because of his resistance to his own to what he does well what was your What's, quote earlier about you're the worst at what you do best or what was that? Yeah, exactly. I'm the worst at what uh, what I do best. And I what's funny. What the, real quick, just the these days we get all these movies with these dipshit on the nose needle drops, right? Constant yeah. mo- constant songs that are just so on the nose. Wes Anderson used to fill his movies wall to wall with British invasion hits. Where's those songs? Give me give me those Wes Anderson songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> this had funny. no music in it, I don't think. Well, there was some crooning there's from some, the cowboy. Yeah, there's some cowboy shit, which is fine. That's um funny. 
Moonrise Kingdom had a couple old kind of cowboy songs. I think you know what it is for the, with that music, the needle drop stuff. Everyone's doing it and done it so much that I I think he's kind of well, let the man. Yeah, he's but he's kind of the innovator who started sure. Doing it. So he, it's I like think it's, he should bring a roll out the. He's he's Eddie he's Eddie Vedder to the Creeds and the Nickelbacks <laughs> of the world, man. He's gotta yeah. he gotta do some weird shit. Um, it, it's funny. Um, I think that uh, he actually said something recently, which he he usually does lean into being Wes Anderson. I think this one he wanted to try to do something different, and maybe it wasn't great. But um, he had some thing recently. He's like, yeah, I've heard people say that you know I make a lot of my stories are kind of similar. He goes, the truth is, I think of stories as problems, and the solutions I come up with. I think about even if I've done this before, it is the best solution for this story. So he's like, I'm just going to do it again because I think it's the best for this particular story. And what I liked about that was it posits an idea that, hey, what if this is this person's first Wes Anderson movie? Just oh. And I was like, that's kind of cool because, you know, I, I don't know who I, I think that does happen. I think, you know, he's he's been around long enough. He has. I heard a Granite Budapest Hotel is people go. That's the first one they saw and they love. They went back or whatever. And I was like, that's kind of cool because like, you know, I'm definitely an asshole who criticizes if something doesn't work. It could be for many reasons. One reason is like you're doing the same thing again. It's not as good as before or you're doing something new and you're just not as good at that as the thing you did before. So you can't you can win, but it's hard to win. I think that would be a good place. to. It'd be great if they started there because it only gets better. And there are, <laughs> there are some things that he met. It'd be weird maybe to start here because this kind of looks like a Pixar movie compared to the other ones. When you start looking at, there's just something a little more earthy or lush to his other movies, even though they are all sort of these dollhouses. This one kind of looks like a Pixar movie. There are things that, there are some Wes Anderson-isms that aren't utilized at all. They just seem to be placeholders. Like the scene card. Remember that word say, act three, scene four. Why? Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's funny. Like, so he, like, like Grand Budapest Hotel, which I do like, he had some stuff too, where like he's going to do a bunch of different ratios and, and some of that kind of puts you into different, different parts of the story, but sometimes it gets a little distracting. And of course, all the narrators up yeah. close, the actor characters, the actual actors, when we cut back to the actors, they didn't have enough time really for me to even really get to know them or care about them that much. And so I, I was I was invested in Jason Schwartzman's uh, actual guy in the desert who lost his wife and is trying to deal with his kids. And that guy, I had enough time to care about what the hell he was doing. And the actor guy, it almost got there, but it was just, it was... Yeah, he they try... The moment I would say, I mean, it's really the only moment they give us when he goes out on the Miranda right. or, and it has that moment with the other actress. That seems to be the thesis statement of the movie. Yeah, but it's I, not, like you said, it's not as compelling as him as recent widower with his kids in the desert. That stuff just connects where, and it should be the opposite because we spend so much time with the other version. I have a thing with this too. Like, it's funny, if a story isn't working, you can't help. I don't think just because we're writers, I think he just as an audience, remember you can't help but go like oh why didn't they do this and if the story is really good you usually don't think about that until maybe later or maybe not at all and so this movie had a couple moments like that where part of me was like when he first um you, you introduced his, his swordsman's character he hasn't told his kids that the, the his wife and their mother is dead i was like oh man they should like carry that out for a little yes. longer yes that would have been a really... be big moment yeah and it, it happens it, in the next scene <laughs> right i was like if you would have had like you know 40 minutes of, of kids going, oh, okay, wait, wait, see mom. And him is going like biting his knuckle like shit, but he can't do it yet. That's interesting. It is. That's, that's, it is. that's kind of cool. But 
Yeah. It's weird. He's done a, the narrative facade has been a, a fake novel, a fake memoir, right? He did the fake memoir right. thing. He did the French dispatch kind of does all of those. Cause it's the New Yorker. And it's so you just turn here's your fiction piece. Here's your nonfiction piece. So you're flipping through the New Yorker. Right. And, and so I get it that that's what he does, but ultimately I just feel like this, this movie, he didn't have faith in the Easter egg colored desert world, which is the only place where I want to spend time. I didn't want narrative distance, which suggests a lack of confidence with this, this like fussy little worlds where he seems like it, when he's doing his movies he seems to be the most confident person in the world that he will he says oh you're sick of this here it is not only again but you know <laughs> i'm uh, he just keeps cranking up the wes anderson the the barton fink feeling right he's cranking yeah, yeah, it exactly up. Yeah, right he felt uh, like he was chickening out a little bit felt like he was pulling back from it see that's what i want i wonder I, he might be chickening out he might be he might be trying to do something different and just he doesn't know how to do something different i, I think you maybe if you don't exercise those muscles maybe they're not they're not ready i don't know it's funny like it, I, I will definitely subscribe to like when his next movie comes out if he retreats to like full wes anderson mode i'll go okay so maybe he um this was a failed experiment yeah. if this one if the next one sort of like figures out what this one did wrong and does it right then i go okay cool this is like i, I will accept this as a weird stepping stone maybe i won't like like it more per se but i'll put it in perspective if it's the last movie i'll be fucking bummed but... <laughs> right well uh, somebody would have to put a hit on him i think he's gonna make these fussy little movies he's gonna do 10 more probably i think uh I wonder if that my family just got home. Did they bring me food? Are you guys back? <laughs> Almost six. Did you bring me food? <laughs> you did. So happy. Oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. They were at a birthday party or something. Um, sometimes I don't know what that food means. It could mean a plate with a couple half-eaten cupcakes on it, or it could mean a sandwich. You know, I hope you get whatever you deserve. I don't, I don't know. Why did you? Yeah. <laughs> I and I also hope that you get what you deserve, Tony. You know, on being the receiving end, that's kind of. It was how threatening was that? Why did you yeah, do that to me? I'm sorry. I, I'm, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Yeah, it's not comforting it's at all. So threatening. <laughs> all right, good place to stop it. I think I'm gonna. Here comes. Boogie there, boogie there. Oh, yes, they call him the street. Look at that, look at that. Fastest thing on two feet. Look at that, look at that. He's just as proud as he can be. His anatomy, he gonna give us a peek. Oh, yes, they call him the street. Look at that, look at that. He likes to show off his physique. Look at that, look at that. If there's an audience to be found.